The Letter to the Hebrews from the Twentieth Century New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter, www.authenticlight.org. The Twentieth Century New Testament by a company of about twenty scholars. The Letter to the Hebrews. Introduction and chapters 1 through 4. Introduction. A letter to Jewish Christians, date and place of writing uncertain. The traditions concerning the authorship of this letter are unreliable. From the letter itself, it may be safely inferred that the writer was a man of intellectual power, that he was familiar with the modes of thought prevalent in Alexandria, that his home and work lay among Jewish Christians, and that he was in some way connected with those teachers who looked to St. Paul as their leader. It is certain that the Apostle Paul was not the author. The letter has been attributed, with some show of probability, to several writers, in particular to Barnabas, Acts chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, and chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and to Apollos, Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. The Jewish Christians to whom the letter is addressed were a community living possibly in Palestine, but more probably in Alexandria or in Rome and the primary object of the letter was to explain to those who were well acquainted with the ritual of the old covenant the fulfillment of its types in the heavenly realities of the christian faith from certain passages in the letter it has been inferred that at the time when it was written the worship of the temple had not been entirely swept away as it was by the fall of jerusalem in seventy a d chapter one god who of old at many times and in many ways spoke to our ancestors by the prophets, has in these latter days spoken to us by the Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. For he is the radiance of the glory of God, and the very expression of his being, upholding all creation by the power of his word. And when he had made an expiation for the sins of men, he took his seat at the right hand of God's majesty on high, having shown himself as much greater than the angels as the name that he has inherited surpasses theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, Thou art my son, this day I have become thy father? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when God brought the firstborn into the world, he said, Let all the angels of God bow down before him. Speaking of the angels, he said, He makes the winds his angels, and the fiery flames his servants while of the Son he said, God is thy throne for ever and ever. The scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of justice. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest iniquity. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the festal oil more abundantly than thy peers. Again, thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. As a garment they shall all grow old, as a mantle thou wilt fold them up, and as a garment they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall know no end. To which of the angels has God ever said, Sit thou at my right hand, until I put thy enemies as a stool for thy feet? Are not all the angels spirits in the service of God sent out to minister for the sake of those who are destined to obtain salvation? Chapter 2 therefore we must give still more heed to what we were taught for fear we should drift away 
for if the message which was delivered by angels had its authority confirmed so that every offence against it or neglect of it met with a fitting requital how can we of all people expect to escape if we disregard so great a salvation it was the master who at the outset spoke of this salvation and its authority was confirmed for us by those who heard him while god himself added his testimony to it by signs and marvels and many different miracles as well as the imparting of the holy spirit as he saw fit god has not given to angels the control of that future world of which we are speaking no a writer has declared somewhere what is man that thou shouldst remember him or a son of man that thou shouldst regard him thou hast made him for a while lower than angels with glory and honour thou hast crowned him thou hast set him over all thy hands have made thou hast placed all things beneath his feet this placing of everything under man means that there was nothing which was not placed under him yet however we do not see everything placed under man what our eyes do see is jesus who was made for a little while lower than angels now because of his sufferings and death crowned with glory and honour so that his tasting the bitterness of death should in god's loving kindness be on behalf of all mankind it was indeed fitting that god for whom and through whom all things exist should when leading many sons to glory make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering for he who purifies and those whom he purifies all spring from one and therefore he is not ashamed to call them brothers he says i will tell of thy name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation i will sing thy praise and again as for me i will put my trust in god and yet again see here am i and the children whom god gave me therefore since human nature is the common heritage of the children jesus also shared it in order that by death he might render powerless him whose power lies in death that is the devil and so might deliver all those who from fear of death had all their lives been living in slavery it was not surely to the help of the angels that jesus came but to the help of the descendants of abraham and consequently it was necessary that he should in all points be made like his brothers in order that he might prove a merciful as well as a faithful high priest in man's relations with god for the purpose of expiating the sins of his people the fact that he himself suffered under temptation enables him to help those who are tempted chapter three therefore christian brothers you who all alike have received the call from heaven fix your attention on jesus the apostle and high priest of our religion see how faithful he was to the god who appointed him as moses was in the whole house of god he has been deemed worthy of far higher honour than moses just as the founder of the house is held in greater regard than the house itself for every house has its founder and the founder of the universe is god while the faithful service of moses and the whole house of god was that of a servant whose duty was to bear testimony to a message still to come the faithfulness of christ was that of a son set over the house of god and we are his house if only we retain unshaken to the end the courage and confidence inspired by our hope therefore as the holy spirit says if today you hear god's voice harden not your hearts as when israel provoked me on the day when they tried my patience in the desert where your ancestors tried my forbearance and saw my mighty deeds for forty years therefore i was sorely vexed with that generation and i said their hearts are always straying they have never learnt my ways while in my wrath i swore 
they shall never enter upon my rest. Be careful, brothers, that there is never found in any one of you a wicked and faithless heart shown by his separating himself from the living God. Rather, encourage one another daily, while there is a today, to prevent any one among you from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we now all share in the Christ, if indeed we retain unshaken to the end the confidence that we had at the first. To use the words of Scripture, if today you hear God's voice, harden not your hearts, as when Israel provoked me. Who were they who heard God speak and yet provoked him? Were not they all those who left Egypt under the leadership of Moses? And with whom was it that God was sorely vexed for forty years? Was it not with those who had sinned and who fell dead in the desert? And who were they to whom God swore that they should not enter upon his rest, if not those who had proved faithless? We see then that they failed to enter upon it because of their want of faith. Chapter 4 We must therefore be very careful, though there is a promise still standing that we shall enter upon God's rest, that none of you even appear to have missed it. For we have had the good news told us just as they had, but the message which they heard did them no good, since they did not share the faith of those who were attentive to it. Upon that rest we who have believed are now entering. As God has said, In my wrath I swore, they shall never enter upon my rest. Although God's work was finished at the creation of the world, for in a passage referring to the seventh day you will find these words, God rested upon the seventh day after all his work. On the other hand, we read in that passage, they shall never enter upon my rest. Since then there is still a promise that some shall enter upon his rest, and since those who were first told the good news did not enter upon it because of their disbelief, again God fixed a day. Today, he said, speaking after a long interval through the mouth of David in the passage already quoted, if today you hear God's voice, harden not your hearts. Now if Joshua had given rest to the people, God would not have spoken of another and later day. There is, then, a Sabbath rest still awaiting God's people. For he who enters upon God's rest does himself rest after his work, just as God did. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter upon that rest, so that none of us fall through such disbelief as that which we have had an example. God's message is a living and active power, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing its way till it penetrates soul and spirit, not the joints only, but the very marrow, and detecting the inmost thoughts and purposes of the mind. There is no created thing that can hide itself from the sight of God. Everything is exposed and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we have to give account. We have then in Jesus, the Son of God, a great high priest who has passed into the highest heaven. Let us therefore hold fast to the faith which we have professed. Our high priest is not one unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every way been tempted, exactly as we have been, but without sinning. Therefore let us draw near boldly to the throne of love, to find pity and love for the hour of need. End of Introduction and Chapters 1 through 4